Well, hello, my friends. The grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. I want to welcome you to the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach each and every Sunday are uploaded for you to listen to and review. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. God bless. Our gospel lesson this morning in our sermon text comes from the Gospel of John. We're in the third chapter. Verses 1 through 7. What? Uh, that better? All right, sorry. <laughs> Hope you heard it before now. I, yeah. It was good. It was real good. What I did for <laughs> Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. It says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of God. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. I wonder if you've had the same experience. We uh, celebrated a wedding anniversary yesterday. 22 years. Thank you. Yeah. But it seems that the more we have been together and married, the more our tastes in television have changed. <laughs> now, and I don't mean from each other, I mean together as a couple. We used to watch stuff that would get your heart rate up or cause your mind to work overtime to understand nuance. We watched Lost. Did you guys watch Lost when it came out? Yes. We, we used to watch Grey's Anatomy. We used to watch The Practice, you know, this kind of stuff. But now we find ourselves a little more attracted to things that maybe a little less intense, 
maybe a little more boring. Things that 10, 15 years ago, I would not have even given a passing glance. If you come over to our house any evening, our television is toggling between one of two channels, HGTV or the Food Network. <laughs> In fact, we don't even say to each other anymore, what do you want to watch on television? Instead, we say, hey, you want to see who's cooking? <laughs> and that proclivity of what we watch on TV has now lopped over into our streaming service providers as well. On Netflix, there's this program we watched quite a bit. It's called Somebody Feed Phil. And it's just following this guy named Phil around the world as he eats. That's the show. <laughs> Recently, though, we've been binging on something called The Great British Baking Show. Has anybody seen this one? <laughs> so roughly every season starts with 12 bakers from all over the British Empire. And every week they got to bake three different things, all with some kind of a consistent thing. At the end of the episode, they vote one of them off. And at the end, they got three left. And from those three, they crown the grand, greatest baker of all time until the next season kind of thing. And you say, so? Like, how is that exciting? Well, here's how I find it to be exciting. Because the stuff they make, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I can't pronounce most of it. I mean, I get tarts and eclairs, but traditional backbird? Anybody ever heard of something called a balm kuchen, also known as tree cake? Cornish pasty? Not Cornish pastry, Cornish pasty. You ever had an egg liqueur Google hump? Anybody? I didn't grow up with this stuff, did you? Grandma baked pies. And because today is Trinity Sunday, Grandma's three best were chocolate, strawberry, and lemon meringue. Right? That's what I know. Did your grandma make damps noodle? Mine did. And so I see this stuff on television and, and, and I watch them bake it. It looks delicious. And I hear them explain what it is and I still don't get it. And they explain it further and I still don't get it. They explain, I, I don't, this is foreign to me. I don't understand what you're talking about. And I thought about that this week when we got together with our good friend Nicodemus. Because I feel that as learned as and as smart as Nicodemus was, he didn't get it. It was foreign to him. He didn't understand it. We read that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And we read that and think, well, he came to Jesus by night because he was a leading Pharisee and he didn't get, want to get caught being with Jesus during the daytime, so he came at night. I get it. But I wonder if maybe it's also an allusion to the kind of faith that Nicodemus had, particularly about Jesus. Because sometimes when we don't know something, we say what? Well, I'm in the dark about that, right? What if the fact that Nicodemus came to Jesus in the dark lets us know kind of where his opinion or identity of Jesus lie? Because he does call Jesus rabbi. And we say, oh, well, that's a compliment. Not really. You see, in the Gospel of John, anytime somebody refers to Jesus simply as rabbi, that's evidence of an incomplete faith. Because Jesus isn't just a rabbi, is he? So Nicodemus says, Rabbi, that's all he understands Jesus to be. Now what is odd about this is that Nicodemus even says himself that he had seen the works and miracles that Jesus had performed. He had seen it. But Jesus tells us this morning that, well, simply seeing these signs is not enough for a complete faith. 
And he tries to explain this to Nicodemus, and it confuses him. And then we see from verse 3 and then verse 5, as we compare the two, where Jesus is trying to clear things up for him and also for us. Exactly what the expectations are for us in order to experience eternity with the Father. And quite simply, it is the new birth. In verse 3, Nicodemus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And this confuses Nicodemus. The reason why it confuses Nicodemus is that the word that Jesus uses there has a double meaning. It can mean from above, and it can also mean again. And so Nicodemus assumes that Jesus means the latter. He means being born again. And he doesn't understand. So, Nicodemus, so Jesus tries to clear it up a little further. He says, well, I'll tell you what. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Now, did you notice the subtle change that Jesus made there? Because first he talks about seeing the kingdom of God. Then he talks about entering the kkingdom of God. Right? First, you've got to see it. Then you can enter it. And so that presents for us this morning two questions that we better start finding an answer to. Do we see it? And are we ready to enter? Jesus knew about the ministry. I'm sorry, Nicodemus knew about the ministry of Jesus. He had heard him teaching. He had seen the miracles. But according to Jesus, he had not yet seen the kingdom of God. What that means for us, friends, is you can go to as many church services as you like. You can be a part of as many Bible studies as you can cram into a week. You can do all of it but not actually see the kingdom of God. And the reason is, quite simply, because Christianity is not simply to be observed as a spectator. It is a way of living, a way of being with God as a participant. Seeing Christian events from a limited human perspective is not enough. What is needed is a new life, a new perspective, a new sight, birth from above. The kingdom of God is not a phenomenon to be observed. It is a gift for us to receive. And that's why Jesus changes his answer just a little bit for Nicodemus. No one can enter the kingdom without being born of water and spirit. What does Jesus mean by that? I think that as Christians what he means is that we are called to participate in the life of the church. And it is this that Jesus is referring to when he mentions that word water. Because I think he's talking about the waters of our baptism. When we are baptized, we are baptized into a family, into the family of the church. And just as every member in your home has a role to play in the functioning of that home, so does every baptized member of the church have a role to play by participating in this family. Worship attendance should never be driven by what can I get out of it. Instead, it should be, what do I have to offer? I think there's a difference between simply being a member and being a disciple. You want to know what that, I think that difference is? What's the first two letters of the word member? Me. Me. Right? If you're in church simply for what you want, when you want it, that is not enough. Conversely. What's the first two letters of the word disciple? Well, it's D-I. Well, what does that mean? That's Greek for two. That means you're to reach out to someone else. 
And pour into them the faith, love, grace, and hope that someone else and God have poured into you. It's not about you. It's about all of them. And there is something important about regular, if not weekly, worship attendance because I think it is encouraging as a body of believers simply to assemble together and see each other's faces. I think the greatest gift we have to offer each other is to simply be here regularly to celebrate the love of God for us as a family. And then after that, there are plenty of ministries we can get actively involved in. But I want you to understand something. Regular participation in worship and in the ministries of this church is not a luxury to dip into and out of whenever you feel like it or whenever it's convenient. I think it's a baptismal responsibility that we share for and with each other. But even with that, I think the main point that Jesus is raising with Nicodemus here about being born from above is this. We are all participants in the resurrection. The spirit that Jesus refers to in verse 5 is, of course, the Holy Spirit. But what is interesting is how Jesus responds to Nicodemus' response to what Jesus says. Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And Jesus is really short with Nicodemus. In verse 10, he says, how is it you're a teacher of Israel and you don't get it? It reminded me a little bit about a story I told a few weeks ago about coaching and having disagreements with officials. Because I think what Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus is, you got to be kidding me. How do you not see it? How do you not understand it? Because from Jesus' perspective, when Nicodemus hears about the Spirit and about being born from above, as a leader in the temple, he should have immediately thought about the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 37, verse 5 says, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord to you. I will cause the Spirit to enter you, and you shall live. This reference to being born from above is a reference to the resurrection, which is promised to us through our uniting with Christ in his resurrection. And then Jesus takes a big yellow highlighter to make it clear to Nicodemus, says, look, look. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but may have what? Eternal life. The lifting up of Jesus on the cross that he speaks of here, that's the source of our salvation. It is the resurrection of Jesus that is the source of our new life and as the apostle Paul tells us, look, if you're united with Christ in his death, you better believe you're also united with him in his resurrection. That's the new birth that Jesus is talking about. John Wesley found this chapter of John to be the most powerful of all of Scripture. This concept of a new birth for him was a foundational doctrine for all of Christianity. If you don't get this right, you're going to have issues. He even gave an entire sermon just based on the new birth. And he describes what Jesus is telling Nicodemus as the great change that God works in the soul when he brings it into life. When he raises it from the death of sin to the life of righteousness. Friends, if Jesus' death on the cross is the great work that God did for us, it is the new birth, the working of the Holy Spirit. Our uniting with Christ and his resurrection is what God does in us. And this new birth is necessary because we are born in sin. Spiritually dead creatures with corrupt natures with a new birth. When you allow the Holy Spirit to infiltrate every part of your heart, mind, body, and soul, 
It brings holiness and happiness. At the end of our lesson, we find Nicodemus at a crossroads, don't we? After talking with Jesus, he can either be one of Jesus' own who decided not to receive him, or one of the many who come to believe in Jesus. Now in chapter 7, we see Nicodemus again. He appears before the Jewish authorities and says, let's give Jesus a fair shake here. Then we see him again in chapter 19 when he comes with Joseph of Arimathea to get Jesus' body for burial. But I feel that this story of Nicodemus is here to represent those who might be on the edge of the Jesus event, seeing everything that he does, but not quite able to make up their minds and don't quite make a public commitment to him. And I would say there are many people in churches all across this world, maybe some in this sanctuary right now, who are of the same persuasion. Those who come to church or attend church events or Bible studies and are intrigued by Christ, maybe even attracted to him, but never seemingly make up their mind about him. So they stay on the edges of the Christ event as observers, never totally committing to be participants as those born from above. So again, we've got to circle back to the questions asked earlier. Do you see the kingdom of heaven? And are you confident that you will enter the kingdom of heaven when that day comes? Be born from above by the water and the spirit and be sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless.